In ten years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now would be as good a time as ever to share their stories with you, with conversations directly from in the thick of the live environment. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Thank you so much for joining us for our second episode. Uh, I was really stoked with the response we got for last week's episode, our debut episode with Ben David, and uh, I really appreciate all the kind words and the shares and uh, just any kind of positive vibes you've been sending my way. It's been super fucking cool, so thanks a lot for that. Today on the program, uh, we have Lachlan Watt. You might know Lachlan from his time in bands such as Colossus, Ironhide, and Nuclear Summer, and Idols, among plenty of others that we'll all get into. Uh, You may also know him as the host of The Racket on Triple J, so a quick shout out to that particular program every Tuesday night from 10pm. You can get all the latest in the realm of heavy music. And Lachlan is one of the greatest supporters of heavy music in this country. So it was really good to uh, have a chat with him about that and uh, basically his workings in and around the world of metal in Australia. It's admittedly not something that I'm extremely intimate and extremely familiar with, so he was really helpful in filling in a lot of the gaps for me and helping me to understand and give context to, I guess, the situation that heavy music in Australia often finds itself in. So, yeah, really, really happy with how this turned out. I think this is my favourite out of the ones that I've recorded so far, so I really hope that you guys are into it too. Before we go any further, I'd like to drop in some plugs for gigs that are happening uh, in the few days ahead. If you're listening to this, the day it comes out on the 12th of February. Uh, First up, my boys in the Smith Street Band are back in New South Wales. They'll be playing a couple of shows. Uh, They're at the Cambridge Hotel tonight on the 12th, if you're listening the day this comes out. And they'll be in Sydney on the 13th and the 14th. And that will be at the Metro Theatre on the Friday and the Factory Theatre on the Saturday. Uh, There's still tickets available for all of those shows, if I'm not mistaken. So get involved, because that will be uh, some pretty special shows. You've got uh, Pop from Canada, uh, Great Cynics from the UK, and Apart From This from Melbourne, all joining the bill which is really, really exciting. So, very excited to be sharing that with you guys. Meanwhile, uh, I am going to be at RAD in Wollongong, uh, catching a sold-out show from Perth band Break Even. Those guys are back in business uh, for the first time in a few years, and uh, new records on the way as well. And they are currently on tour with Hopeless from Melbourne, Endless Heights from Sydney, and Post Blue uh, from Melbourne now, but formerly from Byron Bay. 
very much looking forward to that. It's a it's a great bill and really really great live acts, all four of them. So should be a fantastic show. If you're in the city on Friday in the gallery bar at the Oxford Art Factory, uh, left out of Sydney, who are a uh, very interesting electronic pop duo kind of in the vein of Lamb and Everything But The Girl, etc, etc. Uh, they are going to be playing with Adcob at the Gallery Bar. So, strongly recommend heading along and checking those guys out if you're not in the main room seeing The Antlers. Also of note is uh, Little Bastard, who are playing over at uh, Deuce Cafe in Camperdown, Due Machina. And uh, that should be a really, really good show. Those guys, uh, they've never put on a bad show in their life. They are always... Such wild fun, and I really, really enjoy watching them. On Saturday, I am going to be seeing a Spoon out of Austin, Texas, uh, being joined by my friends in Deep Sea Arcade and Hockey Dad on that bill at the Metro Theatre, so that should be fucking great. But uh, also in town next uh, weekend, this coming weekend of the 14th and the 15th, are Kissing Booth out of Melbourne. They have just finished recording their debut album, with Lincoln Lefevre. They are going to be playing at the Record Crate on Saturday night and on Sunday afternoon over at Bird Rib in Sydenham. So uh, those should be two really great shows. Uh, always a pleasure to see those guys. Big fan of what they're doing. Really looking forward to seeing what comes next. And of course, hearing some new material. Now, uh, in between uh, the last time you heard from me and now, I recorded another episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands with the wonderful Tom Kennedy out of Bare Bones and The Sunny Side Up and a couple of other bands. But uh, he threw in some plugs that we realized uh, would be essentially useless uh, by the time that his episode went to air. So I'm going to quickly throw it over to him and uh, give you some quick plugs for his band, Bare Bones. We've got a bunch of shows coming up. Uh, this Thursday night we're playing at Herman's Bar with Harm's Way from the US. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Legions and a bunch of other great Sydney bands are playing also. Uh, and then on Saturday, a week from today... We're headlining uh, Oxford Arts Gallery Bar uh, with Slates, who are a band from Canada. Sick. Uh, they just did a record with Steve Albini. Oh, cool. For, yeah, for those yeah. who don't know, obviously Steve did. like. If you don't know who that is, you shouldn't be listening to <laughs> yeah. this podcast. Yeah. In utero and did a bunch of the Stooges stuff, and so that's crazy. I just want to pick their brain about working with that guy. Oh, sure. Um, and obviously Corpus, who we both love and yeah, everybody yeah. loves. Absolute Great band. Yeah. So it's just a three-band bill, $10, starts at 8 o'clock. Be awesome to see anyone who's interested in, in seeing any of the bands down there. So there you have it. All right, let's have a chat with Lachlan Watt. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Lachlan Watt. Lachlan, thank you very much for joining me. No worries. Thank you for having me. Of course. We are in the uh, in the sweet, sweet surrounds of the of the Roxbury Hotel. Glebe. In Glebe. Uh, what, a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> uh, now, I don't think we met directly uh, for a little while, but the first time I saw you play was in Ironhide, I believe. 
and this, likely. Yeah, this was this was uh, back in uh, God's Country, Fairy Meadow, Wollongong, um, <laughs> at the Patch uh, on what was a uh, now infamous tour uh, on the back of something that never actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ironhide and Total Unicorn were both supposed to be releasing records. Yep. Through Six Nightmares Productions, which ended up being about R.I.P. a million nightmares. <laughs> Fuck what me, more than six? Um, <laughs> yeah, we had a record label that took all our pre-order money, and we were just naive and just stoked that someone out there said, "Yeah, I'll pay for you to press a record." Yeah, like, yeah, let's do it. I'm not going to look into your credentials at all. Yeah. Like this was a this was a pretty like large scale thing that we got, happened. We got like, reported. It got reported on the music and stuff, and like, it got uh, probably our album more publicity than anything else. Which yeah, was, totally. Which is good in some ways, but it, it was still terrible that you know a couple grand worth of pre-orders or whatever it was got oh, just yeah, sure. spent actually spent on drugs and extortion records for himself, basically. Oh. <laughs> And, uh, like, even, like, we got the shirts made and sent them to him all in goodwill. And then he just fucked off and disappeared. And, like, Michael Craft, one of the Michael Crafter dudes, found our shirts and sent them back to us. Yeah, no shit. um, But, but, I don't know, in a roundabout way, it's it's what spurred me on to start my own label. So maybe maybe it worked. So, so you're uh, you're responsible for Monolith. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the backstory on that. How how that kind of came about. Um, Monolith started as a touring thing in 2008. Right. Uh, I was in a band called The Surrogate, and I was in love with a band from the US called Rosetta, and I really wanted to see of them course. play. Fantastic band. So I thought, how the fuck am I going to see this band play? Why don't I see if they want to come to Australia? And I sent them a huge message on MySpace. And, um, <laughs> this, that really dates the reference, doesn't yep. it? <laughs> uh, seven years ago. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I think I can do. This is what I've done. Yeah. This is what I want to do for you guys. This is my band. Pay for your flights and I'll to get here and I'll look after everything else. And they were like, all right. And wow. so, so then I needed a name to like put the, the touring thing under yeah sure and uh, the monolith is a reference like a focal point in a lot of Rosetta, Rosetta's lyrics not so much these days but the first two albums definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a 2001 A Space Odyssey kind of mm. reference as well and I'm big on that shit uh, right. so monolith was born and then I had a couple tours fall through after that and it was quiet for a while and then I started doing local shows under the monolith name. Yeah, yeah. And the whole Ironhide Six Nightmares mm-hmm. rip-off fraud thing happened. Ugh. And it was like, you know what, I've been thinking about doing my own label for a while. Yeah. Why don't I just turn monolith into a label? Sure. And so then, at the time, I was living at a place called Sun Distortion, which is like a venue recording studio in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. And me and a dude called Chris, who plays in a band called Idols, started doing monolith as a label from that point. And we did like a dozen releases or more and a bunch of tours. And then that relationship kind of fell apart. And then I started working with a guy called Uda. Yeah, yeah. And we did a bunch more records and tours. Probably went a little bit too hard too soon. Oh, sure. And, um, it happens, doesn't it? Again, it kind of had to take a couple steps back. And now Uda's done his own, doing his own thing. Yeah. And, uh, just kind of 
pacing along with Monolith as I can. Yeah. And did two records last year, got a few lined up for this year, and a few tours. Well, this is the first tour that Monolith has been involved in, with yep. the one that I am in Sydney for right sure, now. yeah. <laughs> And then we got another tour, and we got a movie coming out from a tour we did last. Oh, that was the that was the Palm tour. Yeah, so that trailer should have been out by now, but I needed to redo one of my overdubs for the. Oh right, yeah. But I didn't get a chance before heading out on this tour. But we'll have a full length trailer out for that any week now, and the movie will be out later this year. And fantastic. A few more records and tours planned, and moving more into helping manage and book bands as well right, under yeah, the yeah. monolith name and yeah that's that's monolith in a nutshell nice yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a large nutshell but it's a nutshell all the same yeah. <laughs> we've already mentioned uh two bands that you're in so the surrogate and ironhide but uh you've been in a lot of bands over the years uh, just yeah in and out in and out etc take us back to the beginning where did when did you kind of start was it a high school thing for you no like, just even, finished I think I just finished high school, maybe. Yeah, right. Um, so, like, 18? I was 17, yeah, and wow. I was playing drum. I was teaching myself how to play drums. I met some guys off the internet. It was just one dude initially, and we sort of built the lineup out. It was Western Decay. It was a melodic death metal band. Uh-huh. Uh, and we did a really dodgy demo that no one ever really got to hear, just with me playing drums and the guitarist, and then I recorded some vocals over that, and was like you know what I think I want to be a vocalist so then we found a drummer and then we did a couple of like demo EPs and splits and compilation stuff and a few weekend tours and then uh, that band but while that band was sort of falling apart I started another one called The Surrogate where I started playing drums seriously again yeah, but right. also singing as well also at the same time yeah so nice. it was like that was my but, first band as well it's, yeah. it's a bitch isn't it yeah like it, it can be a bit tricky but it was a good challenge. Sure. So we did the. We had a bunch of lineup changes. Did the Rosetta tour. Did another little Australian tour. We had again a couple of EPs, splits, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the guitarist from that band started doing Ironhide. Yeah, right. And then he decided he was sick of doing the Surrogate, and he didn't want to do that anymore. So he quit that, and then I kind of ended up in Ironhide as well. <laughs> yeah, like, that's an interesting situation. How did that yeah. kind of come about? Oh, one of my best friends was like, sort of poached the guitarist almost to start this new band, this mm. deathcore tech metal band, which ended up being Ironhide. And at the time, our guitarist was all like, I um, just don't want to tour. I want to, you know focus on getting a real job all yeah. that shit which still hasn't happened <laughs> <laughs> um, all these years oh it's old hook and wait yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, so then I actually started playing bass in Ironhide oh really and after like two jams on bass yeah the vocalist was like why don't, you, why don't we just do dual vocals so obviously I was I could play a few root notes but <laughs> I was learning to play bass as I went sure and so then that band happened again a bunch of tours and we finally that was the first band I did that got an album done which was sweet I think we rushed it a little bit but I was still pretty happy to have an album done yeah sure it's a, it's a big tick isn't it yeah I think it's funny like all these bands kind of for a while it was like I'd have one 
and as one was kind of fizzling out, the other one would be starting up. Right, yeah, yeah, of And then Nuclear Summer happened, mm. and that was a total accident. The guy that they were jamming with on vocals bailed the afternoon of like their fourth or fifth jam or something. They'd had a few songs written, and I worked with the bass player at the time, and he was like, what are you doing tonight? Do you want to come out and sing? I was like, sure. <laughs> cool, like, they're all my friends. I didn't expect to ever be in that kind of band, like a not really metal band yeah it was it was quite a like a drastic departure you know like yeah. I guess yeah stylistically and also I guess from your position you playing keyboards as well was it well the keyboards didn't happen until probably halfway through yeah but yeah we recorded a demo and it was and it was all just like a bit of an accident I guess it, I'd, I'd spent all this all these years and all this money pushing bands that I really wanted to do and that I started that I named yeah etc and then entirely your thing yeah kind of yeah and then Nuclear Summer sort of happened and it was like this accidental democracy of mates I didn't name the band even and that was just even though that seems like so trivial yeah at the time for me that was weird because it wasn't yeah like your band exclusively yeah I wasn't there from the start so to speak and that happened and we started getting shows and we were like, uh, and one of our guitarists was like, all right, I'm going to move overseas for a bit. And we are like, all right, well, let's just record all the songs we got. And then all of a sudden we had an album. Mm. And then we realized it was actually sounding pretty good. So Chris from Idols ended up joining for a bit. And we did an album tour and, and then old guitarists came back and we did some shows at the Ocean we did a huge tour with Rosetta and City of Ships. We did a split with Stockade. Yeah, I was, I was there on that tour. That was an amazing show in Wollongong. That was the most yeah. successful tour I've ever booked, I think, to this day. Mm. Rosetta, the second time around. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess because you, you kind of knew like what audiences to properly tap into, considering you'd done them the first time. I think so, and I think it was just a, a special kind of moment in time kind of lineup, almost. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> And then we went and we did a bunch of cool shit. We supported Refused. We went and toured Asia. Mm. And then one of our guitarists, the other guitarist that was there the whole time, yeah, got his girlfriend at the time pregnant and was like, I'm going to move to Rockhampton and focus on being a dad and leave the band. And it was like, we just started touring the world. Like we'd done Indonesia, oh, Singapore, man. Malaysia, Japan. And all this cool stuff was coming up and it was like all of a sudden, bang, it was gone. Because the other guitarist was like, well, if he's not in it, I'm not in it. Because they've been playing in bands together since they were like 14 or something. So it just, it, was just, it just became unsalvageable. Well, the bass player was like, I don't want to do it without them. And everyone was like, if you guys want to keep doing it, by all means. And it's like me and the drummer. Yeah, you, you, you had to get three <laughs> new people, yeah. And it, it, because the band, I think if it was another band, it would have been doable. But because the band was like an accidental thing that happened with friends, it yeah, just didn't yeah. feel right to to try and do that and yeah like I, I guess it's that feeling like that it's it's not your band to continue you know yeah. like you, you kind of almost intruded on it so to speak and it ended yeah. up like that yeah so that was really crushing for like most of us at the time oh sure yeah that's a uh, like it all just falling apart at the seams like that but then we were we still got to record our last few songs that we wrote and did a final EP and play a couple of final shows mm. 
and uh, then I guess I didn't have a band for a while. I started a cover band. Oh, nice! <laughs> called Slightly Damaged Block Lettering, <laughs> which is just like all the metalcore I grew up on in the early mid two thousands. Oh, sure, nice. And we'd, we played a few shows and did shit like, I'd say things like in an American accent, like, yo, 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 what the fuck is up, Brisbane? <laughs> There's toilets up the back, we don't have any fucking merch. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of shit. One night we renamed ourselves Pill Switch Engage, just because we took a bunch of ecstasy before we played. <laughs> oh man, that could, like, have, that could have only ended well. What's up, we are Pill Switch Engage. <laughs> so it was fun kind of after all that seriousness and pressure to do a little cover oh, yeah, band. totally. So, and then, yeah, like, who were, you, who were you guys growing up? Like, so you grew up in, in, in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And what were your, yeah, like, what kind of sparked the interest in, in playing music? What were, what were the bands and the, and the guys like that local you local bands or? Oh, anything really, like. Uh, the first CDs I ever got were, like, Savage Garden and, like, Hanson. Oh, was, wow. Like, in grade five. Which is very clearly influential in the music now. You can hear a lot of Break Me, Shake Me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I discovered like Scar and Punk, like Living End in Area Seven. Yeah. And like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Real Big Fish, and even Blink One Eight Two to an extent. And then I discovered hard rock and new metal stuff like Fuel and Corn. Oh, nice. And like the Queen of the Dam soundtrack actually was a big thing for me. Oh yes, was that the movie with the Leo? Yeah, she died before it came out or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. hectic. I remember that. Yeah, that and, was uh, crazy, yeah. It was funny, I was just getting into, like, bands from the Queen of the Dance soundtrack, which was, like, Disturbed and Corn and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I a, started... similar, I had a similar thing with the Scorpion King soundtrack. <laughs> I started working at Red Rooster. It was my first job. And there was this dude, Luke, who worked there. He was one of the duty managers. Yeah. And he'd give me, like, homework sheets. And it had, like, everything from, like... Nine Inch Nails to Spine Shank to Mudvayne to Slipknot to Botch to Dillinger Escape Plan to oh, Faith wow. No More to Ministry and so then that kind of started exploding and then I got into like Butterfly Effect and Blood Duster and, oh, nice. and then I discovered like Hatebreed yeah. and Kill Switch Engage and I think Metalcore was probably the point where everything really exploded outwards right yeah for me like it was a little bit more narrow before then but for some reason Metalcore was the point where I think I went boom, and from there it was like yeah. death metal, black metal, post-hardcore, yeah. and screamo, and everything just happened. And no, oh, it's, yeah. it's a good thing I think, like getting to that point early on where you're exposed to like so many different kinds of music. Like I think that's very reflective in, in you now. Like you have to have one of the more diverse music tastes that I know. <laughs> it kind of doesn't make sense. Hey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like oh, hang on, he's really into that band. It's just like, Oh, okay, yeah, sure, just go with it. Super into, like, this underground fucking post-hardcore band that's totally serious and then, like, completely into some disgustingly cheesy party metalcore band that's totally offensive and (laughs) whack. I don't don't care. (laughs) It's just like like shit. Yeah, like like shit, exactly, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, after, after Nuclear Summer, where did things start to pick up again? When did you kind of make that executive decision to, to start playing again well I started trying I tried to get a few more things going in Brisbane and nothing kind of eventuated yeah we did a few cover sets and I did a filling gig here or there mm. and then I moved to Melbourne at the start of 2014 I guess 2013 had been pretty full on with touring and releasing yeah, records sure, yeah. so 
when I didn't have a band of my own, I put my energy into other people's bands. Yeah. And then still I got kind of tired of Brisbane and needed a change, so I went to Melbourne. I mean, you'd been a part of that scene for a very, very long time. You would have yeah. seen a lot of bands come and go, and including yeah. your own, of course. And I think I, I still am to a point, but it did start to change a bit and become a bit splintered. And then with me and Chris uh, from Sun Distortion and Monolith, kind of our relationship fell apart a lot and that sort of made shit really awkward. Oh, uh, like, yeah, I don't this, go, town, this town's too big for the two of us kind of thing? Yeah, it, yeah. there's like people picking sides over stuff and a lot of shit being talked and it was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. I want to have a break from this. <laughs> so I got out. So um, Melbourne made the most sense? So it's just like, this I is, always, this is where I always used to say, I always loved going to Melbourne. I was like, if I ever get sick of Brisbane or if I ever burn all my bridges there or whatever, like... Mm. Not saying I burnt all my bridges, but sure, <laughs> yeah. Melbourne was always the place I'd go to in Australia. And it was funny, I was actually, I got hit up to try out for a band that had a guitar, an ex guitarist from House vs. Hurricane and an ex guitarist from The Artist Murder. And, wow. it was, and it was like a, uh, a melodic metalcore, Misery Signals, Architects kind of vibe. And That's really random. I hit up my friend Mike who plays in Coerce and yeah, makes yeah. the Nuclear Summer album to just help me track this demo for this band. And I tracked this demo, and then afterwards he was like, oh, you check out what I've been working on, and he showed me this band, Colossus, who I'd seen a couple of times, but he showed me their album, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is fucking sick. Like, yeah. I want to be involved in this somehow. Who's releasing it? Blah, 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 blah. And then that band that I did the demo for ended up not happening anyway. So I hit up the... Colossus dudes actually talked to the singer that I ended up replacing <laughs> and being like can I release this is someone doing it and he's like yeah that'd be fucking awesome blah blah, blah let's do it and I was like sweet and there was a lot of back and forth and it was going to happen then it wasn't going to happen and then they toured Asia and for whatever reason he decided to quit the singer at the end of the tour and it was funny they got back from tour and they're like, hey, we're really sorry if shit got confusing or awkward. We've talked about it a lot, and we'd really love for you to still release the, the record if that's all cool. And I'm like, all right, as long as you trust me, let's do it. Sick, done. And then the, literally the day after, they're like, hey, should we just quit? Do you want to join the band? Wow. And I was like, <laughs> well, only if I get to replace the vocals. And they're like, of course, of course. So... So you had to go through and like redo every single bit of his vocals. Yeah, well the lyrics were all written by the guitarists and not him anyway. Yeah, right. So it made it a bit more natural, but it was weird for me to, I guess, to record a whole album of shit I hadn't written. Yeah. I put a bit of my own spit on it. Um, but yeah, the whole thing actually had to be remixed and remastered. Because wow. it was an analog mix. Oh, okay. So like, you can't just pull that back up in Pro Tools. So that all had to be redone and then... We had to get it mastered again, so it was an expensive, lengthy process. I fucking blew my voice out halfway or three quarters through, and got there in the end. And was that just like going hard every single day, and it eventually just building up? Or it wasn't really every single day. I think one session I just went too far, too long, and it was like oh, a screen for four or five hours. And oh man! And then the next time I went back to do it, it just wasn't happening anymore. So I ended up having to see. 
a couple of doctors and osteopaths and got it all sorted eventually. But yeah. Man, that is a hectic thing to happen. <laughs> this is so it was, brutal. It, it, it was funny me. because yeah. because I thought because I hadn't really been screaming much for a while. Yeah. I thought I'd save the last song till like I mean the first song on the album, which is the single. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'll save that till last because that's when my voice will be the strongest. Oh so no. So I like recorded basically everything except a few overdubs here and there. And got to do that song, and my voice was cooked. And it was like, oh, this is fucked. Oh no! <laughs> Everything sounds great except for the first song. I sound like a dead, dying dog. Like. <laughs> so what happened? Uh, you just had to wait a bit. So we kept trying, and yeah. after a few weeks, one of our guitarists suggested that he had like a, a, some friends that did alternative medicine and osteopathy and stuff. Right. So I got a massage and something clicked back into place. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah. Had had that kind of thing happened to you before? Like, obviously, you've been screaming in bands for for a long time now. So, like, um, had anything like this kind of happened before? Like, I lost my voice at shows and on tours or whatever, but yeah. only ever for a day or two. Never for like weeks on end. Yes. So I was worried. I thought I'd fuck myself forever. Oh man! <laughs> but you're here now. You're here to tell the tale. So that's that's something. Oh, well, my voice kind of blew out again last night, so we'll see how tonight goes. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess this is an interesting one in that you've kind of accidentally walked in on yet another project that yeah. isn't yours, and, you know, you didn't name, etc. Like, I guess were you a bit more comfortable with that premise now that you that you've like been through a similar thing before? Yeah, and since then as well, I've done a few more fill-in sort of gigs. I, I did a tour and a couple of shows for Idols. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a tour for a band called Eternal Rest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in some ways, I feel like with Nuclear Summer and Ironhide, I got so much off my chest lyrically that I maybe sort of possibly even have a little bit less to write about personally these days. But I still really fucking love playing shows. Mm. And using my voice, and I think Colossus is totally a totally different experience for me in that it's not like an it's not a pure emotional catharsis like Nuclear Summer was. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a performance. It's being theatrical. It's just being it's being metal. It's yeah. having fun. It's yeah. exerting energy. And I still seeing things through someone else's eyes. I still like yeah. the lyrics aren't written as though they're some sort of first person thing. It's, it's sort of conceptual. Mm violent religious kind of tales and I dig the lyrics I think they're really fucking cool it's not exactly what I would have written personally but I really enjoy performing them yeah like you, you kind of think like oh that's the point of course I wouldn't have written this you know yeah. it, it, it's, it's a matter of yeah extracting yourself from the process in a like way. if you looked at Colossus's lyrics and imagery purely without looking at the dudes you'd probably be like these guys are all satanic <laughs> like goat sacrificing bleak motherfuckers yeah. and, but we're not <laughs> we just kind of um, don't appreciate organised religion a lot and that's kind of told through these just these performances I guess yeah yeah <laughs> expressions yeah when was the first uh, what can you recall the first time that you played outside of, of Brisbane outside whoa Something's happening in there. Yeah, I can remember my first show outside of Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like playing interstate for the first time. We played a fest. My first band was in the cave. 
We played a festival called Brute Force Fest. What about was that? At, what's that? It's near Central. Is it Central Station? The Gaelic Club. Oh yes, sadly no longer with us. We were the, an we amazing were, venue. We were the second band of the day at 11 a.m. Ooh. We played to about 10 people. I think Mortal Sin headlined. Nice, that's a that's a blast. Um, and I, I was just fucking stoked as to go somewhere and play a show, even though we didn't play to anyone. <laughs> the fact that you did it, you said that yeah. you did it. Yeah, it's still like 10 years on, or nearly 10 years on. <laughs> Going and playing interstate to like, ten people kind of sucks these days. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> That's happened. It's happened. Your a expectations bit are a little bit higher now. <laughs> it's sort of like, well, this is better than being home, maybe. Slightly. Yeah. What am I doing here again? Fuck. <laughs> it takes a lot, doesn't it? You're just like, you know, we're putting in the effort here. You got to get other people yeah. as well. I mean, it's, you just appreciate that, especially from Brisbane. You know, like. That's a place that's very notoriously kind of... I, I, a lot of times it's very indifferent towards the, the culture of live music, but especially when you're trying to get it in from that very niche area of metal and hardcore and things like that. You know, trying to push that early on must have been quite a, a challenge unto itself, really, just to get people out to shows. Yeah, well, the, the first real tour we did that wasn't just one show... We, Nick, uh, Western Decay went to North Queensland. We did Mackay, Rockhampton, Townsville. Oh, nice, yeah. With uh, Rye vs. Ken and Art Vandalay. We were like post hardcore bands. Yep. So we kind of had no place being on that bill, but they were just our friends and it actually went really well. We, uh, <laughs> we actually like made, after all covering all our costs, we made like six or seven hundred dollars or something. Nice. And it was like, whoa, this is what touring's like, sick. Yeah. <laughs> no band's ever made that much money since. <laughs> oh, one one brief ray of sunshine. Really. <laughs> got me got me excited on like thinking, oh, this will be a thing. Like I can make yeah. this my job. No, no. I'm still doing it because I love doing it. Yeah, of course. You've mentioned uh, not only touring from a musical perspective, but you you've put together tours as, as well. Uh, probably the biggest being that Palm tour. Um, which, you know, took in as much of Australia as humanly possible. Did it Did it start out with that very clear intention of wanting to just nope. get everywhere? But it just, how did, how did it kind of come about? It was just going to yeah, be, it was just going to be a normal tour until we got an offer to bring them to Alice Springs. And right. then, then I was like, well, Alice Springs, that's pretty whack. Um, I guess if we just add Hobart, and Perth, then that would be every state and territory. So why don't we just do that? And then it kind of spiraled out of control from there. And we got more picked up more regional shows, mm. and we got an offer to do Cairns, and it was like all of a sudden we had twenty shows. Man, <laughs> intense! So take us through that Alice Springs show. Like it was in a car park or something, if I recall correctly. Well, the first show was actually supposed to be in Santa Teresa, which is an indigenous community. Right. Yeah. Uh, like an hour outside of Alice Springs or something. Uh-huh. But uh, one of the local kids died the day before, unfortunately. Oh, no. Shit. Yeah. So they had to kind of, like, you can't really, like, having a metal show in an indigenous community is far from the norm. Yeah. So it's not like we could just go there while everyone was mourning. Yeah. So the, the, the dudes in Alice Springs and whatnot put together a last minute show in a car park out in front of a fish and chip shop and a local radio station 
and that show actually ended up being the best show because I think everyone came to that and then the next night was the real Alice Springs show right yeah but fuck all people ended up coming to that one it was still a crazy experience but yeah just the whole thing of like having a bunch of Japanese dudes playing in Alice Springs yeah like that's the ultimate culture clash isn't it yeah yeah it was insane we just had like like random like rubber neckers and, and little kids walking by. It's like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, there's not a huge heavy music community in Alice Springs. No. But the one that's there is super <laughs> yeah. tight knit. I mean, I'm, I mean, the closest they've got is you know having Clancy used to be in totally unicorn living out there. Now. Well, see this thing. That's the this tattoo here is the the logo of. Yeah, for the listeners, Lockwood is now pointing to his elbow. <laughs> <laughs> it's the logo of um. Uh, look, an Alice Springs based metal label like collective thing called the Black Wreath okay and pe- people see this and think that it's like barbed wire oh uh, yeah like a tribal yeah. but it is pretty tribal but it's uh, an ayahuasca vine and um, basically there's this dude in Alice Springs who calls himself Pirate and I think he was having a bit of a rough time and he went on an ayahuasca trip out in the desert oh wow and he realised that he had to start making things happen for Alice Springs, for metal, for himself. And he had a vision of this this logo in his mind. And he started a, like the Black Wreath, which is this image. And that became a record label, a touring, booking thing, a recording yeah. studio. And there's like four or five sick bands in Alice. They all share members. Yeah but they're all part of the Black Wreath and so they put on an annual festival that gets about 200 people every year it's like, like bands like King Parrot and fucking Desecrator and Frankenbock and bands like nice. that I've all yeah. gone and played it Schoenberg Automaton played it as well last year awesome we might go play it with Colossus this year if we can afford to it's just expensive to get there yeah of course Oh, this is, this is kind of, I'm kind of diverging, but I'm kind of explaining this tattoo now. Do you want to hear... No, go right ahead. Do you want to hear my Alice... My, sorry, my Uluru story? Okay, yeah, go for it, man. The first time I went to Alice Springs, went and was, I saw that this festival was happening, that King Parrot was headlining. It was the first year, this was a couple of years ago, the first year they did it. And I thought, fuck yeah, like Nuclear Summer had just broken up. I'd had a bunch of money in the bank that I'd been saving up for the band. That was like, all right, that's not going to happen, so I'm going to... Go see some shit. Yeah, might as well. And they found out that I was going there, and so then they asked me to come and MC the event. So I did that, but the, the night before, we went out to Uluru, mm. and the people I was with at the time, I don't know, well, we, we took acid. <laughs> we took acid at That's Uluru. out there in the world now. <laughs> and we're walking around, and the people I was with were like, oh, let's go back. Don't want to keep walking, and we're only like an hour into the trip around it. And I was like, "All right, I'll meet you guys back at the car park." And I sat down, and at the time, I was having some severe doubts about what I was doing with my life. Yeah, like Nuclear Summer was done. Like the monolith thing with Chris had really fallen apart. Yeah, some distortion had fallen apart for me, and uh, I was just having severe doubts about like, is this sustainable? What am I doing? Mm. Do I really want to pursue a life in music? And I had, I guess, echoes of my parents in my brain. You know, you're going to go be a real journalist one day, sort of thing. And, yeah, right. Um, and anyway, I was high as fuck. 
and I just kind of was having all these crazy thoughts and realizations and uh, understandings and empathetic feelings about life and I had this real crystallized moment where I realized that I'd never understood life so clearly I'd never understood my position in the universe so well and I was just sitting there and just looking at Uluru and then all of a sudden it was like I'm just getting goosebumps retelling this story like everything kind of went dark for a moment and it was like a voice from within Uluru it was like Mother Earth or my subconscious combined with that or something, something yeah. some kind of force was like and it just, it just asked me across the desert and what brought you here and I was just kind of like gasped and said metal I sat in the That's desert it. and said metal and I started crying tears of pure joy and just like Fuck, man. had just picking up the sand run it through my fingers and just everything made sense from that point onwards that's fucking amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's metal is the answer it's that, the that was it like I've, I've obviously had a like couple of lower moments since then but like yeah. I but nothing has ever made so much sense as it did in that moment and everything started coming together it comes back to that yeah yeah that's amazing um we'll wrap up but um before we do I wanted to ask two specific things I wanted to ask best gig you've ever played and the worst gig you've ever played feel free to start with either or the best would be a toss up between when Nuclear Summer played with Refused Oh, man, that would have been absolutely incredible. And also when we were the first ever Western band to play Magalang in Indonesia. And there was like 600 kids and it was like a tough guy hardcore show. And I looked up in our first song and there was like two circle pits going different directions. Oh, and we got mugged for like our merch and because kids are just going so mental for it. And so toss up between those two. Yeah. I think we're on different levels. Yeah. But still pretty amazing like that review show would probably be like the biggest like scale show that you've played like in terms of like in terms of Australia people, yeah. yeah in terms of like people there man I think yeah. that Indonesian show is bigger incredible yeah. but yeah uh, the worst I don't know I've played a lot of shit shows <laughs> I think we all have that we? <laughs> we played to 8 pays in Adelaide the other night oh, at Animal House and we felt really like we weren't welcome there and it sucked um, Which is weird because that's like a, a really DIY like community driven kind of space, isn't it? It used to be. I think they're just all elitist assholes now. Oh, that's a shame. Um, it's a real shame. All the original people I know that used to live there don't live there anymore. Yeah, right. Ironhide's played some fucking terrible shows. Their gear went wrong. Oh yeah. Bass player was too drunk to stand up. Fuck. That's um, heavy. This was an awesome gig by the end of it because I was having so much fun. This is another acid story, actually. <laughs> it always comes back to that, doesn't it? <laughs> we played in, in uh, Toowoomba, me and James, the bass player who plays in Idols now, but this was Ironhide. Yeah. We thought, all right, we're playing in 15 minutes, 20 minutes or whatever. Let's drop our tabs now. And then by the time we finish playing, we'll be like... Peaking, yeah. Yeah. And we dropped our tabs, and then something went wrong with the PA, and the gig got pushed back heaps. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so there's like 20, 30 people in a beer garden in a pub in Toowoomba, and I'm like screaming at them, like going, I don't want, I don't feel like screaming right now. Like, why am I screaming at these people? This sucks. <laughs> What's going on? And I look over, and James is like on his knees with his ear up against his bass cab, like hitting his bass going, because he was playing like 
a death metal band's backline that we were borrowing. And he's got his ear up against it going, just hitting notes and being like, is this me? Holy fuck. And he's like, put it, kept putting his ear up because he was real confused that he was making this really loud, brutal sound. And so eventually, after like a couple minutes of him doing that, trying to work out if that was actually his bass or not, he got up and he turned the volume completely off and just rocked the fuck out. <laughs> Oh, man. And then later that night, one of the dudes we were with headbutted a local, and then a cop tried to fucking start us up. And James got in trouble for stealing too many bottles of wine. And shit. Oh, that's not really a bad gig. It was a shit gig for us, but it's a good yeah. story. So yeah. that stands at, out. At least something came out. I think of it, the yeah. shittest gigs I've probably forgotten about. <laughs> Just repressed memories. Yeah. Although I think this is something I would probably think that you'd be interested in. Oh, go on. I've been talking about doing a book called Shit Gigs. Nice. And my concept is I'm going to interview people from bands or people in the industry. Yeah. And uh, turn it into a collection of short stories about everyone's shittest gigs. That would be fucking great. I think it'd be good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so the Colossus record is Unholy and it is out available now. Available now. Yeah, available now. <laughs> Yeah, in, in all good local record stores indeed. maybe eventually eventually it's online for now <laughs> we just got records like two days before tour so we haven't sorted anything yet it'll be out there in the world eventually but you for now you can it. yeah hit that shit up on Bandcamp and uh, the Palm documentary is will be out uh, later this year later this year we'll have a trailer within a week excellent well thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me man I really appreciate it this has been fucking awesome um, yeah let's go rock the show cool I'm David James Young, and all my friends are about This has been a David James Young Rights production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.